Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Chris, good to have you back. I uh, want to touch on our, one of our favorite topics these days, inflation. Uh, right now, we're seeing inflation versus the 10-year at about 5% and the 10-year at 1.49%. What can you make of this? Yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty consistent with uh, what we've been talking about, which is we know an industrial slowdown is coming. Um, and the market has started to discount that. So the 10-year peaked in March at 1.73. We sit today at 1.49. The 30-year had peaked back in March at 2.45%. It's at 2.17%. So what the market is saying is like, look, we understand we have inflation. We understand uh, some of this may be more than just the near-term base effects. But structurally, we don't see the cause for this current self-reinforcing cycle to continue. Um, And this is pretty consistent with the data that we've seen out of Europe, and it's consistent with the rolling corrections we've seen through the different sectors in the equity markets with tech leading the downturn and semis kind of leading the correction. And then finally, it's even reaching the the small regional banks. Um, And so I think we're starting to discount this slowdown now. So if you're seeing a bit of a slowdown, is, is there any details in the inflation data that you've noticed that's either confirming uh, that this is either transitory or, or do you think this is something that's a little bit more sticky that will stick around for a while? You know, it, it's like we've always said, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. So people that think this is it, we're going to have hyperinflation are going to be disappointed and those that think, no, we're going to see deflationary pressures resume relatively quickly will be disappointed. Uh, when you really sort through the data, And it's important to remember that we print a 5% number. So, yeah, you know, real rates are are quite negative. Um, You know, it is skewed by some of the supply chain disruptions. So used car prices are up 30% year over year. That's completely unsustainable. So those are going to roll over. At the same time, you know, the cost of shelter is up 2% year over year. And we know that's going to be a lagging indicator by the way they, they calculate that number. So... Used cars have been about a third of the increase in CPI. That's going to roll over. Uh, shelter, which is about a third of, of CPI, is getting ready to accelerate. So those are going to offset one another. Then when you look at goods inflation, that's running about 6.8%. And services is running about 2.8%. So that nearly 7% goods inflation is going to roll over. But at the same time, we're getting ready to see an acceleration in services inflation. And that's a larger component than the goods are. So I think we're still going to see some of it transitory, some of it's going to be sticky, and we're still in this self-reinforcing element. So this is driven by the natural cyclical forces that can create sustainable inflationary pressures. I think the key is going to be what, if any additional policy measures we get, because we do know Biden's uh, uh, fiscal plans are kind of running into the typical political walls that you would expect. Um, And then we have to see what happens with expectations. Um, And so as those come together, you know, that may change the longer term view, may change the behavior and create more of a self-reinforcing cycle. And we've got this little mini cliff developing where, you know, the uh, forbearance for student loans and the enhanced unemployment benefits are getting ready to lapse. And when that happens, that's going to change consumptive patterns as well. So 
I can, you can dig into the data and, and find stuff to support ongoing inflation pressures, and you can dig into the data and support it's going to be transitory. So I think we just need to wait and see. You know, one of the things that you mentioned here is, is consumptive patterns, and you know, I'll be curious to hear your take on, on housing right now. And, and you mentioned um, you know, negative real rates, and, and for yeah. uh, a, a large portion of the population or those that are looking for, for new mortgages, yeah. um, with inflation where it is today and where you know, fixed-rate mortgages sit, yeah. um, it is a negative real rate. Yeah. Do you think that this will continue to exasperate the housing demand, or is this a shortage issue, or where it, do you think it's, we go? It's all of the above, and a lot of it, I mean, this is the unintended consequences of Fed policy, is the Fed's making it incredibly difficult for a very large generation that's coming into their peak household formation years. Uh, it's making it difficult for them to be able to afford a house. They're not doing anybody in a fa any favors. So we've been underinvesting in uh, home construction and shelter uh, for the better part of the last decade. And we were able to do that because there was a delay in household formation, somewhat driven by demographics and somewhat driven by economics. Uh, that's over. That's behind us. So household formation starting to accelerate. We're going to see a very large demand for housing on a go-forward basis for a number of years, and that's going to exacerbate this supply shock. Um, and then at the same time, you know, we're you know we're not we're not getting any policy relief. So I think housing prices could remain well bid. It doesn't mean they won't roll over. The data is already indicating that the rate of change is going to decrease, uh, but they should remain well bid for the foreseeable future. Uh, looking at the overall market, and, and just use the S and P as a proxy, we're up, we're up double digits here year to date. Uh, value is up uh, roughly 18%, growth around 9%. So you know, we've seen value on a year-to-date year -to basis outstripping growth on, on a really uh, two-to-one ratio. Uh, pretty un unprecedented for what we've been going through yeah. for you know, the last uh, nearly decade plus. And yeah. um, so your question here is, you know, do you think this is something that's sustainable? Uh, yeah. And do you think that this is uh, an area that people can roll into for the remainder of, of 2021 and beyond? Yeah, so I think this is still the beginning of a transition to an environment that could be led by value. Again, we don't know yet because we haven't made all the policy choices necessary for that to occur. Um, we are at a point where in a typical transition from a growth-led market to a value-led market, which a better way of saying that from a disinflationary environment to a more inflationary environment, because what causes value leadership is really the inflation cycle, right? Because it's going to be led by commodities, energy, industrials, and uh, financial institutions, banks, and from a steepening curve and you know increasing loan demand. Um, and we, we've been in a secular downturn in the commodity cycle, um, despite you know, the shift to renewables and the, and the, and the shift to EVs, um, you know, that transition is going to be incredibly difficult to accelerate because we're under-investing in, in key materials and key components to make those transitions, and those tran that transition is very fossil fuel intensive. And at the same time, you know, the emerging and developing world has only continued to grow, and its demand for underlying commodities is continuing to increase. So... Do I think we are at a point where we're going to have sustained leadership out of the value sector and we're ready to set on a new path for a, a secular move higher in commodities? No, I don't. Um, I think we're at the beginning of that transition. And that transition, first you, you, you base, you bottom, you see a rally out of the commodity sector, you see a rally out of value, 
you see those cyclicals begin to outperform. And then they usually have a relapse and you kind of bounce along, which can be a number of quarters, if not, you know, a couple of years. And then you finally get the fiscal thrust and you get the monetary support and you get the investment because you get sufficiently high prices and key commodities. And that starts another secular move higher. So I think we're in that transition period. Can we accelerate it? Potentially we could. Uh, you can certainly do that with policy. Uh, I think one key takeaway in this is, you know, when you look at uh, the shift to renewables and EVs and you look at the amount of investment required, you know, we're not even close to spending the money uh, that's necessary to accelerate adoption of EVs. We're going to see significant component shortages, not just in the building electric vehicles, but in building the components, even in batteries. I mean, we just need a lot more investment in mining. And quite frankly, I'm fairly skeptical that we can find enough copper mines, we can find enough nickel um, to be able to meet the, the demand in the transition. At the same time, we're not investing in key energy infrastructure. So with that, uh, you know, we're going to continue to see an increase in demand for fossil fuels that hadn't been met with supply, so prices will go higher. So we could end up with this kind of mini stagflationary environment, and that again won't be good for any assets. Right. Uh, and anything there that you would see, you know, as we are maybe at the beginning of this transition, but that would would really put the brakes on the value move, and would we revert right back to growth like we've seen? Yeah, I think you know, right now, and this may be what the what the bond market is starting to signal to us is. China's got some serious problems with their ability to sustain growth and address the inflationary pressures that exist right now. So they're going to be more inclined to what I'll say, quote, tighten um, economic policy, less fiscal thrust, uh, probably less monetary thrust. Um, and we're probably going to see that start to play out across the rest of the globe. And so that in and of itself can be a real dampener on this cyclical trade. And it'll be nothing more than just when everybody's convinced that, you know, this is the beginning of the new cycle, it'll be a head fake, and we'll get a reset, then people will be convinced it was just a head fake, and then that's when we can bottom and really move forward. And we're setting up for that to occur. There's a potential for that to occur in the back half of this year. Well, good. Well, this is great to catch up again with you this morning, and uh, terrific topics. Thank you for coming in. Uh, and we'll have you again here in, in no time shortly. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Sounds good. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.